I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. We'll read verses 1 through 11. Mark 14. After two days it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said... Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he sat at the table. A woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii. And given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you for this great time of worship and praise that we've been able to have this morning. We thank you for voices to be able to sing. We thank you for minds to be able to understand these words. We thank you for a a soul, a spirit that is able to, to comprehend the depth of the riches of the love that you have for us and that you have shown us in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we're thankful for your Holy Spirit, which enables us to be able to cry out to you in faith. And Father, we thank you for your word, which you have given us, that teaches us about your love for us, that teaches us about your plan of salvation for us, that teaches us what you have called us and chosen us to be through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray as we look at this text this morning that you will give us of your Holy Spirit to be able to understand the things that are written here. Father, that we'll be um, inspired and encouraged and motivated by this example that's here in our text today. And I pray that you will use it for your glory and honor in the lives of your people. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want to title this message, Loving Jesus with Everything You Have. It's fitting that we are at this text today, and it being the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, as we remember as a memorial to those who have served, to those who have fought, to those who have given their lives for the freedoms that we have here in this country, for those that have given of their their time and their effort and their being, to show their love for their fellow Americans. But it's fitting here as we are in this text today that there's a memorial here that Jesus said would be kept, and we're still keeping that here today. It is, he said, a memorial to her to be remembered whenever the gospel is preached. And we're still doing that here today, 2,000 years later. I want to title this message, Loving Jesus with Everything We Have, just to remind you. What is the most precious thing you own? For some of us, it may not be a whole lot. For some of us, it may be our house. For some of us, it may be our savings. For some of us, it may be a nice vehicle that we own. For some of us, it may be a 401k at our work. 
whatever it might be, what is the most precious thing, natural thing, earthly possession that you have? I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So as we're thinking about those most precious things that we have, we think about how much we love those things and how much time and effort that we spend in, in maybe gaining that thing or attaining that thing. And we know how much that, that thing that is precious to us, it is a gift of God and we realize that, but it is something that we've worked hard for that maybe has been given to us and we hold it dear and, and we consider it of value and of preciousness. Well, I think it's just amazing as we think about that and maybe what that is in our own lives to think about Mary here that we have in our text today and how she had this precious ointment that it tells us in our text was of great value. And it was maybe probably, we could probably assume that this was the most precious thing that she had in maybe her family and or just that was hers. Maybe it had been passed down through their family. This is not something that most of them had. This was a very expensive and a very precious um, ointment that she had. Now, as you think about that and you think about maybe some of the most expensive or, or costly or precious things that you own, now imagine giving that up and giving it over to show your love for Jesus Christ. That's what we have as an example here in our text today. We have Mary loving Jesus with everything that she had. She sacrificed the most expensive thing that she owned and poured it out upon Jesus as a love offering. In just a few days, Jesus will love us with everything that he has. When we're thinking about in the context of when this is happening, it's the Passover. Jesus is going to keep the Passover feast with his disciples. Judas is going to betray him. Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be put on trial. And he's going to be taken to the cross. And he's going to suffer the wrath of Almighty God against all the sins of his people. And he's going to give himself as a sacrifice, as a substitute for the sins of his people, that his people might be redeemed and that his people might be saved. Jesus is going to give us his best in sacrificing himself on the cross for us. And here we have, a couple of days before that happens, a beautiful picture of someone else doing this for him. And I think that this should just encourage us as we look at our life and we examine our life that we ask ourselves the question, am I loving him with everything that I have? Am I willing to give up that which is most precious to me to show my love and adoration for Him. And in doing that, it is also showing our love for one another. And we'll also see through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, we also see the love of the Father and that He gave His best for us. So she is just following the example of Christ the way that he has been living before her, the way that he has been teaching her. And Jesus said that whatever the Father told him to do, that is what he has done. And so as the Father had given his best, Jesus Christ is going to give his best for us. And as we see the Father giving his best, and as we see Christ giving his best, then he calls us to do the same and to give our best in everything we have to love Jesus Christ. John 3.16, we know, says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave Himself, God gave you His Son, so that you would not perish eternally, but that you would be saved eternally. That you have hope of living forever, without sin, in a glorified state being able to worship and, and, and serve and enjoy Him forever. 
And as we wait for that day, we are called to do the same thing that Mary was called to do in this text, to give all that she had to show her love for Christ. Mary loved Jesus with everything in her being. We see this on multiple occasions as we look at later. She was willing to give up the most precious thing that she owned to show her love for him. She wasn't worried about what other people would think. She just wanted to show Jesus how much she loved him and was moved by the Spirit of God to perform this act of service. And I just want to say before we go on, not all of us are called to do what Mary did here in this text. We're not all called to give up that most precious thing that we own or the most expensive thing that we had. You're not all called to give up your house or to give up your savings or to give up your 401k. But you are called to be willing to do it because that's how much that you love Jesus Christ. If he called you to do that and he had a specific purpose for you to do that and he moved upon you by the Holy Spirit to do that, and you knew for sure that was what he was calling you to do, you should be willing, as Mary was, to sacrifice it for him, knowing that it would be worth it to please him. Because you want to love him with everything that you have. But even though if we're not called to do that, we are called to live every single day of our life in the small things, in what we might call menial things, and we're to live in the same kind of way where whatever we're doing and whatever we have, whether it's in the raising of our children, whether it's in teaching at school, whether it's working at your job, or whether it is simply just being an obedient child and a faithful student, you are called in all those things to love Jesus Christ with everything that you have and the way that you do that. And we have a great example for us in this text today of someone who who does that. Now I want to turn to John chapter 12 because it's in John chapter 12 where we find out that this is Mary the sister of Martha the sister of Lazarus in John's account here in John chapter 12 then six days before the Passover Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus who was who had been dead whom he had raised from the dead There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. So I pray as we look at this text today that you would learn from the example of Mary and that you would have this strong desire that she had in your life to love Jesus Christ with everything that you have. And that loving Jesus with everything you have will come with a cost. But the reward will be greater. So our proposition as we look at this text today is that loving Jesus with everything you have means that you'll be hated by the world, possibly betrayed by those you love. But it is the greatest and most fulfilling thing that you can do in this world. It is the most fulfilling thing that you can do in this world. So we'll just have five points as we look at this this morning. Number one, you'll be hated by the world. Number two, you will be the friend of Jesus. Number three, you will be willing to surrender and sacrifice your all for Jesus. Number four, you will be misunderstood 
and possibly betrayed by those you care about. And number five, you will be glorifying God and will receive joy from Him. So now let's walk through this text and consider what it means to love Jesus with everything that we have. First of all, we understand by experience and we've seen throughout history and we see through the example of Jesus Christ and his disciples that if we're going to love Christ in this way, we're going to love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind and love our neighbor as ourself. If we're going to give him everything that we have, number one, it means that you're going to be hated by the world. You're going to be hated by those that don't believe in God, those that don't believe in this Christ. Some, it may not be as hostile of a hatred, and others, it will be a hostile hatred against you because of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that we see this hatred in our text today by the religious leaders in Jesus' day and time. The, the scribes who didn't believe in him, the chief priests who didn't believe in him. It says in verse 1, And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. They hated the Lord Jesus Christ. They hated the truth that he spoke to them. They ignored all the signs. They ignored all the miracles. They ignored all the proofs that he was the Son of God. They ignored his message, which was the truth. And they hated him because of who he was. They hated him because he exposed their wickedness and their evil hearts. And so it tells us that they were always trying to find a way to put him to death. And we know that they will find a way here through the providence of God, through the ordaining of God for this to happen. But yet, they do find a way to have him arrested and tried and put to death. And it's amazing to me that they hated Christ so vehemently. Because all we see in the gospel accounts and all we've, well, all we've studied so far and all, all that we've, we've looked at in, in the scriptures is Jesus was doing good. Jesus was, was teaching and he was healing and he was feeding and he was doing good to the poor and he was helping out those less fortunate. He was loving God. He was loving others and he was showing us this, the greatest example that could possibly be lived. But yet, again, they ignored all that and they only concentrated on the things that he had said against them that put them to shame. But we should know that if we're going to love Christ in the same way that he loved the Father, that we too are going to be hated by the world. And this is part of the cost of loving him with everything that you have. This is the part of, of true Christianity that those who want to name the name of Christ but don't truly follow him with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. This is, not, this is the cost that they aren't willing to pay. The part of being hated and the part of being persecuted. The part of, of, of having to, to, for your faith to be tried and to be tested. But Jesus says in John 15, starting in verse 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. So there's the test, there's the sign. What does it mean? How can you know? How can you tell if you're loving Christ with everything that you have in your life? It means that the world's going to hate you because it hated Him. If the world loves you, Jesus just said it. You're of the world. The world loves the world loves its own. And he goes on to say, "Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you." 
Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Not because of anything that he was doing that was wrong. Not because he had done anything evil. Not because he had broken any commandment. He didn't break one single commandment. He kept every single commandment. He fulfilled the law to a jot and to a tittle. He was doing everything that the Father had told him to do. But yet they hated him. And therefore they show, Jesus says, that they hate God who sent him. So we've got to understand if we too are like Jesus Christ in this way, we're like Mary in this way, that we're willing to love God with everything that we have, we're going to be hated in some way by the world. And we have to be okay with that. We have to take that because Jesus Christ took it more than we will ever take it. And he says if we're going to be his disciples, then we have to realize that's part of the, of the cost of following him. And in Proverbs twenty nine twenty seven, it says, An unjust man is detestable to the righteous, and one whose way is upright is detestable to the wicked. So if you're living before your friends, and you're living before those that you work with, and you're living out there in the world, you're living a righteous life, and you're living for Him, it's going to be detestable to the wicked. And they're going to hate you for it, and they're going to persecute you for it. Jesus would say in Matthew 10, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And we see that after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead and ascended up into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to the disciples on the day of Pentecost, that they were scattered everywhere and they went preaching the word, but they were arrested, they were put into prison, they were persecuted, they were hated, they were despised even by the religious of their day and time. But the Lord Jesus Christ was with them, and they overcame all of this hatred, and the kingdom of God was built and spread and grew in every place that it went. You know, as I thought about this example that we have in our text, I thought about the example of Jesus Christ and how he was hated even by his own. Remember, it says he came into his own, and his own received him not. He was hated, even by his own family. He was hated by the Jews. We had a great picture of this and a great example of this in the Old Testament in Joseph. Right? Joseph, what a great example Joseph is for us. What a great picture of Jesus Christ Joseph was. All we know of Joseph is that he was special. When he was growing up, he was loved by his father, Jacob. He was his most loved son. We know that he was special. He was gifted by God. We know that he used those gifts for his, for his glory and for his service. But it tells us that his brothers were jealous of him. His brothers hated him because of the special attention that they said he was receiving. The love that his father was showing to him. Because of the gifts that he was exercising, they hated, it for, for, uh, they hated him for it and they wanted to kill him. There were those of his brothers that wanted to put him to death. But yet God intervened and he spared his life. He was sold into slavery, sent to Egypt, and there he faithfully serves God in prison. And he's rescued out of prison and he's brought to, the, to be the right hand man of Pharaoh. And God blesses him and gives, gives him wisdom. And there's a famine that happens in the land. And Jacob and his family, with the brothers, they come to Egypt. And 
We have a great example of the heart of Joseph when his brothers come. He forgives them for their hatred, for their selling him as a slave. And I love what he says in that, in, we read about it in the end of Genesis. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So Jesus was the fulfillment of this. He came to his own. His brothers hated him. His brothers wanted to put him to death. They were willing. Judas, one of his own disciples, was willing to sell him out to betray him for the same amount. 30 pieces of silver. They were jealous of Jesus Christ because he was truth. They were jealous of him because he was God manifest in the flesh. And so, Jesus is the greatest example of this. Even though you may be hated by the world for loving Jesus with everything that you have, take from the example of Joseph and Jesus, and we see in both of them that even though this is the case, that they're hated and they're despised and they're rejected and they're persecuted, both of them pressed on, both of them persevered, both of them kept their eyes on what God had called them to do and finished their race and God blessed them both tremendously and used them. And God will take what the world means for evil in your life in hating you, speaking evil against you, and He will turn it to good. So trust Him. Trust Him and be willing to be hated by the world. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Look unto Jesus. Look to Him. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross. He endured the shame. And He's calling us to do the same. Endure the shame. Endure the hatred. Realize that it's not because they hate you. It's that they hate Him. And be willing to be hated and despised for His namesake. Not only, number one, will loving Jesus with everything you have cause you to be hated by the world, but secondly and more positively, you will be the friend of Jesus Christ. I love just thinking about this when we're looking at this text and we're thinking about how that in just a few days the Lord Jesus Christ is going to suffer like no man has ever suffered. He's going to be treated more harshly than any criminal who deserved it would be treated. He would be forsaken even by his most closest friends. He would be abandoned, betrayed. All the things that would be done to him. But yet, what do we see in him just a couple of days before this all happens? It says, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. You know, we could just read, we could just read that and pass over that, but... That's amazing when you think about it. What would you be doing a couple of days before your death if you had some idea of what was going to happen to you in this same kind of way? Where would you be and what would you be doing? Well, Jesus gives us a great example that a couple of days before his death, he is having a dinner, he is... Mingling, he is fellowshipping with an outcast, an outcast of society. One who no doubt he had healed of leprosy, Simon the leper. And as we look at this, we see that Jesus is the friend of sinners. And we've seen this many times, how Jesus went to those who were despised of the world. He went to those whom the religious leaders would have nothing to do with, right? 
He went to the lepers. He went to the prostitutes. He went to the, the lame. He went to the blind. He went to all those whom no one else was going to. He is the friend of sinners. And so we can take comfort that even though we will be hated by the world and despised by the world and persecuted by the world, yet at the same time, because we are connected with Him and because we love Him and He loves us, Jesus Christ is the friend of such as you and I who are sinners but yet who love Him. Even in his final days on earth, Jesus is spending time with his disciples and with those that no one else would spend time with. And we've seen this many times by the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we have another example of this in the Gospels, of the same kind of thing happening in a different house. So we have this example of Mary doing this in the house of Simon the leper. But we have another example of this same thing being done in the house of a Pharisee. So think about these beautiful acts of service and of love where people are showing that they love Jesus with everything that they have and where they're being done and what the religious leaders think about these people. (laughs) A leper's house, a Pharisee's house, In Luke, in chapter 7, in verse 36, we read, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster, alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We see that Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. And sinners who realize that they're sinners, they love him much. And one of the benefits, one of the blessings that you have in in loving Jesus Christ with everything that you have is that He also is your friend. He is the friend that even sticks closer than a brother. He is always going to be there for you. Even when others forsake you, even when others abandon you, or even when the world hates you, Jesus Christ is always there with you. He is your friend. In fact, He would say this, to his disciples in John chapter 15. John 15 verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends 
if you do whatever I have commanded you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Jesus says he is the friend of sinners. He's your friend. He is your friend. Number three, loving Jesus with everything that you have means you will be willing to surrender and sacrifice your all for Jesus Christ. Tells us in verse 3 that a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard, and she broke the flask and poured it on his head. I'm sure that this was in amazement to her family, to her brother and sister, to Simon the leper, and to all the disciples, as we know from their reaction that it was. But this was very costly. This was very precious. This was something that probably was the most valuable possession that she had. And it says that she simply came in, she broke it, and she poured it all over the Lord Jesus Christ. tells us in John that she used it, not only poured it on his head and all over his body, but it says that she poured it on his feet and that she wiped his feet with her hair. What a great act of love that she showed. And we found out how expensive this was in verse 5 when they say, you know, they're, just, they're trying to justify why she shouldn't have done this. Instead, could have used the money for something else. They say this could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. A whole year's worth of wages. Imagine that. Equate that to our day and time. It's like her coming in and, and, and giving a whole year of wages. Imagine doing that. Well, God may not call you to give a whole year of your wages to the kingdom of God, but He calls you to give whatever you can. And He calls you to give the best of what you can. Not the leftovers, but the best of what you can. And if He calls us to do this, we should be willing to do this because of our love for Him. Mary was willing to sacrifice the most valuable thing she had to show her love to Jesus Christ. And this is the kind of love that Jesus calls us to. Remember what he said in Mark 8, verse 34? Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he told them, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You must be willing to humble yourself. You must be willing to confess you're a sinner, confess your need of him. And you must be willing to take up your cross. You must be willing to sacrifice yourself on the behalf of others. You must be willing to love others the same way that Christ has loved you. And you must be willing to follow Him that is walking His footsteps. This is the kind of love that He has called us to. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. So Jesus has called us to be willing to surrender and sacrifice are all for Jesus Christ. That means how we work. That means how we love our spouse. That means how we train and love our children. That means how we love one another. Jesus Christ prayed for this in John 17. In John 17 and verse 20, it says, I am not only asking on behalf of them also, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, 
as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly united, so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them just as you have loved me. So think about this. Christ wants you to know how much that He loves you. And He wants you to know how much the Father loves Him. So that you in return can show Him how much that you love the Father and how much that you love Him. And the primary way that you do this is by loving others the way that He has loved you. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, that they may see the glory you gave me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, although the world has not known you, I know you, and they know that you sent me, and I have made your name name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have for me may be in them and I in them. This is the kind of love He's called you to. This is the kind of love that He has given you as a gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a godly love. This is a a godly willingness to sacrifice. Mary would, would not have been able to do this just on her own. She was gifted to be able to do this. She was called to be able to do this. She was stirred up by the Holy Spirit to come and to do this. And we also have to have that if we're going to be able to give our all. But here's the thing as I thought about this, and I hope that that you can see this too this morning. If I have come to see the worth and the beauty of Jesus Christ, then no thing, no thing, no matter how precious it might be in my life, it could be my own child, it could be my spouse, no thing is a sacrifice to give to Him because He is worth it. If we see the worth and value of Jesus, then we will realize that surrendering and sacrificing our all for Him is really no sacrifice at all. It is what flows from a heart of love and devotion to Him. Really, we are giving up something of less value for something of much greater value. Mary was giving up something of much less value than the love and admiration of her Savior and the joy and the peace that came from that. Mary was being brought to a realization of what Jesus was about to do And she was seeing that and she was saying, I want to come and I want to give this up and I want to anoint his body for burial because that's how much I love him. Do you realize what Jesus has done for you? Do you realize the love that he has shown to you in saving you from your sins? Do you realize the love of the Father that he gave you his one and only Son to give you eternal life? Do you see what Jesus was willing to go through for you so that you might have forgiveness and that you might have joy and everlasting peace? If we have been brought to be able to see that by eyes of faith, what is it that we will hold on to and say, you know what, I'm not willing to sacrifice that for him? Back to Hebrews chapter 12, and in verse 1 it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We have to be willing. See, some things that we have in our life that are precious to us, they're actually weights. And they can actually be keeping us from loving God the way that we should be loving Him and the way that we should be loving Christ and the way that we should be loving His people. They're actually keeping us from being able to do that. Not saying that was the case with Mary, 
but there can be things in your life and in my life which we hold to be as precious, but maybe we have too tight a hold of, of them and we're not being able to love Him with everything that we have. So it says, if you have these weights or even sin, you know, when we think about how this was something that was good and this something that was precious that, that she gave up, but as you examine your own heart and life, you could be applying this to a particular sin, a particular temptation in your life, which you love and is precious to you and you haven't been willing to give it up. Well, Jesus is calling you today to tell you, give that up so you can love me with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. If there is a sin which you are holding dear in your heart and you are keeping secret, let it go. Lay it aside because you're not being able to run your race with endurance as long as you have that sin or that weight. And how are you going to do it? The verse that we already said, look unto Jesus the author and finisher of your faith. Look to his example. Look to his strength. So what sin or what weight do we need to lay aside so that we can love Jesus with everything that we have? We will be willing. We will be willing. And I'm thankful for that because I know in my own flesh, I know in my own pride, I know in just who I am that I will, there are things that I will hold on to if not for the grace of God to be able to help me let go if not for the Spirit of God that overcomes my weakness. Fourthly, if you're going to love Jesus with everything you have, it means that you will be misunderstood and possibly betrayed by those you care about. She came in here and she gave up this thing that was most precious to her and she poured it over the Lord Jesus Christ and she was loving and serving Him. But it tells us of those around that they misunderstood her. And it says not only that they misunderstand her, it says that they were angry at what she had done. They were indignant. Their nostrils were flaring. (laughs) There were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? There are going to be those who are unbelievers. There are going to be those who hate you, who say your life is wasted on the way that you love the Lord Jesus Christ, the way that you serve Him, the way that you give your money to the church, the way that you give your time to the church. Actually, the truth is, those that aren't doing that are wasting their lives. So they were thinking, hey, this this could have been used for something else. They were trying to justify it and say, we could have given, we think about how much good that we could have done for the poor with this money. And so there are going to be those who misunderstand our love for Christ, our passion for being obedient to Him, our passion for serving His people when we love Him in this way. And this wasn't the first time that Mary had been misunderstood or gave us this kind of example. We have a great example given to us in Luke chapter 10 when Jesus comes to their house. Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Mark chapter 10, verse 38 says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So here again, in, this, in the same example, in the same way, she is showing her love for Jesus Christ by sitting at his feet and hearing his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. She was showing her love and devotion to Christ as she did on this occasion. She was misunderstood, yes, but she didn't care about that. 
you will be misunderstood. You can't care about that. You have to let that go. When those of the world misunderstand you and say evil things about you. In Luke chapter 18, verse 28, Peter says, See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. So what is it to you if other people misunderstand you? If other people defame you? If other people speak evil against you? If other people spread rumors about you? What is it to you? Because you're following Christ because you love Him. And you have a greater reward than the praise of men or the adoration of men. So be misunderstood. Be hated. Even be willing to be betrayed. There's nothing that hurts worse more than being betrayed by someone you love. Verse 10 tells us that then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. One of his disciples. One that he had been pouring into. One that had been around him. Seen the miracles. Heard the teachings. Jesus had one of his very own disciples betray him. If Jesus had someone to betray him, it should not be a surprise to us if we are loving Jesus Christ with everything we have, if others betray us. But we should be willing to be misunderstood. We should be willing to be betrayed if it is what he has called us to because we love him that much. Lastly, to love Jesus Christ with everything we have means ultimately we will be glorifying God and our joy will be coming from serving Him. And we see that this is the case as Jesus responds to their indignation. He says, let her alone. Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. She's glorifying my Father. She's glorifying me by showing her love for me. And ultimately, when we are serving Christ by loving others, by giving our life to Him, we are bringing glory to Him. And our joy will come from this love that we show to Him and His admiration of this love. I love how Jesus, He stands up for Mary, right? You have all these disciples and they're saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You wasted this. It could have been done for this. Jesus says, leave her alone. She has showed me that she loves me more than anything else in the world. She is glorifying me because that's how you glorify something is you show that it's the most precious and beautiful thing to you. And that's what she was doing and that's what we should be doing for God. Showing that He is the most precious thing to us. He is the most beautiful thing to us and we're willing to show Him that. By giving her best to Jesus, she was showing him that he was more precious than the most precious thing that she had. She was doing, Jesus says, a good thing for me. It, shouldn't that be our motivation? It should be doing good things for him, glorifying him. Her joy would come not from the praise of those around her. It wouldn't come from her family. It wouldn't come, certainly, from the religious leaders. Her joy would come from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he says, because of what she's done, because of the love that she's shown, wherever the gospel is preached in all the world, this will be told about what she has done as a memorial to her. John, 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The reward that comes from loving Jesus is that everything we have because of that relationship with him far outweighs all the small and insignificant earthly things. You have much greater joy in the relationship that you have with Him. You have much greater joy in the peace that He gives you. You have much greater joy in knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life than any worldly possessions. And there is also a great joy that we have in, in our service to Him, knowing that it pleases Him and that we have His admiration. A lot, of things, a lot of things that we do for those that we love, yes, we do it because we love them. But a lot of things that we do is because we know that they also, when we do that, will show us their ad- admiration for the love that we have shown to them. That is part of who we are. It's part of who God has made us. And it's the same way, I think, in serving the Lord and serving Christ and be willing to love Him with everything that we have is that we not only do that because of how much He's done for us and we know that we love Him, but we also believe that He's pleased with this and it delights His heart. And we want to please His heart. And our joy comes from knowing that. We want to hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the kingdom. Our joy comes from pleasing Him. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Paul would say, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's part of our motivation, is knowing that. That He sees our heart, that He sees our love, that He sees our sacrifice. And none of that is ever in vain in the Lord. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, He says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Anything that you have given to the kingdom, any sacrifice that you have made for His sake and for the kingdom's sake, every amount of, of effort and being that you have given into the, to the service of the Lord, none of it is forgotten by your Savior. And not only that, He is faithful to reward those who diligently seek Him. And so your greatest delight and my greatest delight will be in glorifying Him. And and in glorifying Him, it will also give us our greatest joy. So I hope that you and I can learn from this example of Mary that we would be willing to love Jesus Christ with everything that we have. We may not be called to give up our most precious, precious and prized possession, but He has called us If we're going to be his followers, he has called us to be willing to sacrifice all for him. What is he calling you today to do? What is he calling you to give? Mainly, he's calling you to give him your whole heart, strength, soul, and mind, and to love his people. But if he calls you to give up something precious, be willing to do it. Know that he will 
abundantly bless you in the doing of that. And it will be for His glory and honor. May God help you to love Jesus Christ with everything that you have.